So, what are you going to say? Love means never having to say you're sorry. Unless you kill someone, then you should probably apologize. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> This is Missy. I just wanted to plug this in real quick. I wanted to apologize ahead of time for the audio quality. That was my bad. I um completely and totally forgot to select the correct microphone. So I apologize for that. And um, we will do better next week. Thank you. We're back to do part two of the Lonely Hearts Killers. Yeah, we left off where... Where did we leave off? Did they just kill somebody accidentally and put her on a bus? Yeah, that's, they, what, I that's what they did. They put her on a bus. She OD'd on barbiturates. Did we go uh, further than that? I think we went further. We than met the lady. we 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 introduced who they would eventually be accused of, uh, actually convicted of murder. Yeah, see, we we really need to go back and listen to our own story. I guess I'm gonna just dive right in there. Not gonna talk a lot about a lot of personal stuff this week. Although we've had a lot of personal stuff this week. Yeah. As I said at the end of part one, in December of 1948, Raymond started writing a 66-year-old woman by the name of Janet Faye under the guise of the name Charles Martin. Now, Janet was a devoutly religious woman. They bonded under their mutual religious beliefs. And this isn't going to be as happy or as what happened with Esther happy like surviving is happy but I mean like this isn't going to be a happy ending where she survives we mm-hmm. like a survivor no I literally said this is the one that they're convicted of murdering oh so no so no, no. not not a happy not a happy okay on January 1st of 1949 Raymond and Martha arrive at Janet's house Okay. They claim that they lost their wallets and that they need a place to stay. He says that Martha is his sister. So we all know Martha is not the sister. No, Martha is not the sister. Martha is the actual lover. She lets them stay. The next day, she accepts Charles's proposal of marriage. They convince her to... In a day? Well, they've been corresponding for a month. But she just met him. What to tell you? Lack of so they go People to... can lie to you on these things. Doesn't she know that? I don't know. Okay. I'm not victim blaming. Just saying. Sorry. Continue. Okay. She agrees to marry him. They go to Long Island together, the three of them. Now, the apartment there is only like a one bedroom for whatever reason. Raymond says, I'll take the couch and you ladies can take the bedroom. Like a true gentleman. Yes. Over the course of the next few days, they manage to actually get several thousand dollars from her. They take her to the bank. She removes money. Oh, like, I think 
I read one was like a sum of $2,000 and another was a sum of like uh, $3,500. Wait, so she just met this guy. Uh, like face to face. They've been corresponding, but she just met. They got married and already he's stealing her money. Yep. And she doesn't think this is weird. No, this man's going to be her husband. So They're not even married yet? No, but because she is a proper lady, she's... Of course, nothing is happening between the two of them. Now, this is what gets really interesting. They have her sign pieces of blank paper as well as checks. So they just have her endorse blank checks. But they have her sign blank pieces of paper. I could not find how they convinced her to sign these pieces of paper. She's already given them $2,000. Again, not victim blaming, but I don't think it was that difficult. But, right. Yeah. But what's important is those signed pieces of paper. Okay. Remember that for later. So remember it. Gotcha. Yes, because... For me, this will go into premeditation. Okay. For me, anyway. So they have her sign all of these papers. They have her sign these checks. They've gotten money from her. One night, uh, they've been there for a few days. You are going to marry this guy. You've been corresponding with him, but you have access to his sister. What are some things you're going to just naturally ask? What was his childhood like? What was he like as a little boy? You know? What were your parents like? And Martha is like, I don't talk about any of that. Janet gets angry because Martha doesn't actually know any of that. Martha gets angry. Janet gets angry. So Janet goes to confront Raymond in her anger. Now, what I'm going to read is the actual court transcript of their testimony from their trial. So like Raymond's point of view. Raymond's point of view and then Martha's. Um, they basically agree on how she died and what happened. Raymond's goes a little bit like this. Fernandez testified that sometime between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. of January 4th, 1949, so it's only been about four days, he was awakened by Miss Faye, who had entered the living room, was kneeling at the side of his couch. Being unable to persuade her to leave the living room, he went into the bedroom where he asked the defendant, Beck, to do what she could to quiet Miss Faye and put her back to bed. When Miss Beck left her bed and was about to enter the living room, Fernandez, after telling her that he would go into the bathroom, stated, I told her as soon as I heard both women go back to the bedroom, I would leave the bathroom and go to sleep again. So he conveniently puts himself in the bathroom. Okay. Um, after remaining in the bathroom for a period of five to ten minutes, during which he heard murmurs of somebody speaking but could not distinguish anything, Fernandez enters the living room where he found Mrs. Mrs. Beck standing over Mrs. Fay crouched over a suitcase. His testimony as to what he saw and did is as follows. I saw her head, Mrs. Fay's. It was all splattered with blood. The suitcase was full of blood. On the floor, I saw a great big puddle of blood. And as I saw that, I meant I stopped at the door. I saw from that view as I walked in. I rushed over to Mrs. Beck where she was standing straight, just looking down at Mrs. Faye. No movement. She didn't say a word. I shook her and I said, Mrs. Beck. I said, Martha, what happened? She came out of something like a daze. I don't know if it was a daze or coma. Okay, well, a coma, you're generally unconscious. So a dissociated state, perhaps? Maybe. My God, she says, what has happened? I said, you ought to know better than I do. I told her right there, if she could do something 
take her to a hospital or a doctor, drive her down? She got on her knees and took her pulse and said, I don't know. And she told me, she said, it's too late. There's nothing we can do for her. She's dead. See, now this is very interesting because, I mean, obviously she died, but he's sort of throwing her under the bus without actually throwing her under the bus. Well, did it. No, no, I mean, he's, like, throwing her under the bus without actually throwing her under the bus in a way of saying that, yeah, Martha did it, but Martha had no control. Like, he's trying to protect her. Kind of. Which is kind of sweet. Okay, so here's the thing. But also, they actually love each other. Yeah. Like, Martha and Raymond, they actually did have feelings romantic love for each other it's bizarre especially if you consider the fact that um serial killers as they are don't normally feel emotions like they do but like less intensely but if you also think about it raymond had the head injury yeah. So he was not necessarily your typical Yeah, and Martha I would call that a I would say this relationship. I would say that hers is more of a crime of passion. Mm-hmm. And those are, are really interesting in that in that heat of the moment you just but I just lose I yourself. Find it so interesting that he's one, he's taken all the blame off of himself while also taking most of the blame off of her by saying she was insane. She had initiated moment where her body took over, but her mind went blank and was she like wasn't aware of what she did. And that would have protected her with, say, plea, with the insanity plea. So this is what Martha adds to the account. Okay, I would like to hear this. She says after a few hours of sleeping, Miss Faye woke up and started having a conversation which annoyed her. In those circumstances, Miss Faye, under a pretext of going to the kitchen for a drink of water, instead went to the living room. And in a brief time between 3.30 and 4 a.m., on January 4th, Fernandez came into the bedroom where he complained of Mrs. Faye's conduct and stated, I'm going to the bathroom. You go in and talk to her and bring her back to bed. Responding to that request, Mrs. Beck, now this is where Janet Faye is dead. Mm-hmm. So we do not have her account. Her account. This is all. So this is all Martha. And bear in mind, Martha is a very jealous woman of things, especially when it comes to Raymond. Mm-hmm. So take everything I'm about to read with a, with a grain of salt. Right. So Mrs. Beck into the living room where she observed Miss Faye lying on the couch. As to what occurred, Mrs. Beck testified as the following. Question. How was she, Miss Faye? Was she dressed? Answer, she was completely nude. So this is a very pious woman who, rather than sleeping with her fiancé in the room and making the sister take the couch, she has been taking the bed with the sister Yeah. and the future husband sleeping on the couch for propriety. And now she's saying that this pious woman just walked into their room naked. No, well, she's laying on the couch. Completely naked. Pay me like one of your French girls, Jack. (laughs) It doesn't seem very likely already. We're we're already seeing holes in at least her character. Exactly. Yeah. Was she alive then? She most certainly was. What did you say? What did she say when you entered the room? When I walked into the door, there 
I walked into the door there, and I looked, and I saw her in that position, and nude, and I said, my gosh, Janet, what do you think you're doing? She jumped up. She picked up her gown that was lying on the floor in front of the couch and slipped it over her head and said, I wasn't expecting you. What did you say to her then? I said, I can see that by your appearance that you certainly wasn't. I said, what do you think you're doing? She says, well, I was expecting Ray to come in the door. Which, that right there, her own words. This woman knows him as Charles Martin. Oh, I just got that because I've read through the some of these court transcripts before. I just got that. So she would never have referred to him as Ray. She wouldn't have, no. She didn't know his real name. She thought he was Charles Martin. That's who they'd been corresponding So as. she would have said... Charles. Charles, not Ray. Yeah. Now that could have been a slip of the tongue. That could have been because that could be what she called him. Yeah. So, again... Take it with a grain of salt. But that is interesting. Well, I was expecting Ray to come in the door. And I said, I apologize for the use of profanity, but it's in the court transcripts. Um, for a woman your age, you're the hottest bitch I have ever seen. Huh? <laughs> of course she did. Of course she did. What made you say that? I was just burning with jealousy and anger at the thought of what she was attempting to do. Now, what did she say when you said that to her? When I said that, she rushed over towards me and drew back a fist and slapped me. At the same time she slapped me, I said, are you being paid to make that remark? She said, are you being paid to make that remark? Did she say anything about putting you out of the house? When she made that remark and slapped me, I don't know what happened. You just said you didn't know what happened after she made that remark and slapped you. That's correct. What is the next thing you recall? The next thing I know, Raymond had me by the shoulder. That is, Fernandez. The defendant, Fernandez, told me, had me by the shoulders and was shaking me. How long of a period of time in, intervened between the time that you recall the deceased, they slapping you, and the defendant, Fernandez, shaking you? I have no idea how long it was. When were you speaking to Mrs. Faye when the incident took place? Was the defendant Fernandez in the living room? No, sir. In a hallway? The last time I saw him, he was going into the bathroom and he shut the door. Wow. So. Well, they got their stories straight, man. He was definitely probably in the bathroom. There probably was some kind of altercation. And she, she probably did slap her. But, it, like, maybe that part is true. Like a biased woman, if somebody says something that, you know, a slap would maybe be something that she could have done. But that's certainly no reason to kill somebody. I'd slap a chrome dome. <laughs> slap a chrome dome. You know, but I mean, she definitely, like, loses it and kills her. Obviously. Like, I'm not saying that she did slap her, but I'm saying, okay, if I'm going to take that little piece of information, that would grant reason for her to be angry enough to slap her, you know? Exactly. To your knowledge or impression, he was in the bathroom, is that correct? That's correct. Where was Mrs. Faye or her person when you first saw her after you realized Fernandez was shaking on the shoulders? Miss Faye was slumped over a suitcase at my feet. But where did the suitcase come from? That's what I want to know, because both... Parties, both people mentioned a suitcase. And well, it could have been, he was in the living room, it could have been his suitcase. 
That's true. The reason I'm saying is perhaps the fight could have been over, and again, just assuming, but she packed up Martha's bags and said, you're leaving. Honestly, I don't know where the suitcase came from. After he was shaking me, the next time I saw Mrs. Faye, she was slumped over a suitcase at my feet. Did you observe her physical condition? At the time, everything was all blurred, Your Honor. Did you observe her physical condition? You saw her slumped over your suitcase. So maybe... It was Martha's suitcase. Maybe it was Martha's suitcase. So maybe I'm a little bit correct in that? I don't know. To me, that would be the perfect reason she would not want to leave. If Miss Faye went in and packed up Martha's stuff and said, Okay, you're leaving. You're on your way. You're out I mean, here. If you think about, about it... To, like, cause her to go that's angry. exactly what um, Myrtle did. Yeah. Was... I want her gone. She's going to leave. And Myrtle's the one who wound up on the bus. Yes. See, to me, that would be, like, the only time that she ever turns really violent is when they're like, okay, you're you're gone. Bye. It makes sense. Please answer my question. Did you observe her physical condition? She was lying there motionless. Motionless. Did you observe the appearance of any blood? Your Honor, I took everything in at once. There appeared to be blood all over the floor surrounding her and everything. Getting back, Mrs. Beck, to the point that the defendant Fernandez came into the living room. You say you recall him shaking you, is that correct? Did he say anything to you at that time? The first thing I remember him saying to me, he was still shaking me. My God, Martha, what have you done? What did you say to that? I said, what do you mean, what have I done? And I looked at him, and he was looking down towards the floor. And then when I turned my eyes from his face to the floor, that is when I saw the deceased Mrs. Faye. I said, my God, what happened? He said, you should know better than I do. He said, go downstairs, call a doctor, call an ambulance, call the police, or do something. I dropped to my knees beside her body, and I took her pulse. I mean, her wrist in my hand, and I tried to get her pulse. At the same time, I used my other hand and slipped it under her body and tried to get her heartbeat. But I did not discover a heartbeat, respiration, or a pulse. To your knowledge, she was dead at that moment. She was dead. That's the end of the court transcripts. Okay. So. That's very interesting. I think she hit her with something. Mm-hmm. Um, blood force trauma to the head. And she bled. Now, they hit the body in a trunk. Now, you see, okay. I don't want to be like saying that what Martha did, what Martha says happened is wrong. Or right. She does have some... Physical abuse at a young age that could bring on disassociative um, episodes. This is true. So it is a possibility, but also, I just, I don't buy it. I think she got jealous. Well, the thing is, is that they escalate. Yeah. They definitely, there's escalation. Like, in the first one, she just gave them a bunch of medicine. She, as a nurse would have known a safer amount but she's still od yeah so that could have been jealousy and that just seemed a little less violent than this one because you know it's it's od if she did it on purpose it's still less violent than right right hitting somebody but there is definite escalation in their crimes yeah that is something that oh no we're using the wrong microphone it's okay okay there's definite escalation Right. In it. So, you remember those little slips of paper. Right. During the time after they hide her body, Mm -hmm. they basically rent a house. Put it in a trunk. I'm sorry, interrupt. That's okay. They put the body, they buy a trunk, they put her in the trunk, they rent a house in Queens that has a basement. 
and they bury her in the basement. They don't stay in that house. Okay. They go back to her house. Now, those blank pieces of paper, they use those and they type up letters. No. They type up letters that they send to her friends and family, including her daughter. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Janet Faye didn't know how to use a typewriter. She'd never had a typewriter. She never had a desire to have a typewriter. And she didn't know how to use one. Okay. They were signed by her, but the letters were typed up. And to her daughter, this seems very suspicious. So her daughter automatically, well, maybe not automatically. Her daughter basically kind of goes, this isn't right. Something is wrong. But in the letters, she talks about how wonderful her Charles is to her and the life she's looking forward to living with them. They're going to move some. His sister is just so wonderful. Everything's wonderful. Everything's wonderful. Exactly. Normally when things are wonderful, you don't message people. Usually you call so, the gripe or complain to your family that something's not great. To me, the slips of paper show premeditation. I would agree to that, you know, unless they were planning to do it for other reasons. I mean, it could be that they were planning to, like, subdue her with, like, pills. Mm-hmm. And while they got her money, all her money and whatnot. Another thing is they could have just left. And then, like, they already had her signature. They already had her, those blank sheets of paper. They could have done anything with those. They could have just left and gone about their way and then cashed them. Like I said, escalation. Yes. Her family is concerned by this. Right. And they eventually discover her body in the rented house in Queens, New York. Her family reports her missing. They eventually find her. But by then, Raymond and Martha have already moved on. On the same day as the murder, he received another letter from a 41-year-old widow named Delphine Downing with a two-year-old daughter named Ronell. Did not spend that much time grieving. Oh, no, not children. They hate children. I I told you it gets worse. Oh. Now, no. they're not ever actually charged for this one, but there's reasons for it. I'll get into. They spent the money for a while. They correspond with her for a good long while. In February, they go to Michigan to meet with Delphine Downing. So Martha is introduced this time, as she had been before, as a sister-in-law rather than a sister. I guess they decided that it probably was better. Well, if you're my sister-in-law, they can't ask a bunch of childhood questions and then hopefully you won't kill this one. <laughs> smart, smart on Raymond's part. <laughs> Unlike the other ones, now she's 41. Right. So she's like 20 years younger than, than what Janet was. Raymond is like in his 30s. Oh. She's like 10 years so older. She's more like his age. Now, okay. Delphine is a, a widow mm-hmm. with and a child. Yes, with a a young child, she put an ad in hoping to find a companionship for herself and a father figure for her young daughter. Raymond, using the name Charles Martin, had corresponded with her, said, oh, I love children, and he just lied, lied. (laughs) but he just knew all the right things to say and do. She honestly thought that she had found the perfect answer for her loneliness and a father figure for her young daughter. Right. An aunt that, you know, could be fun. Found this happy family for her her daughter 
and herself and a place to belong, and they just go and ruin everything. Yep. But so, if they didn't like children, why did they even bother with her? Because she opportunity. Ugh. He proposes, she accepts, and unlike the other times, they actually do sleep together several times. Well, she's more his age. Yeah. But, of course, this makes Martha exceedingly jealous. Which means more escalation. Yes. Doesn't it? It does. Oh, this is not going to... This is going to be bad. There are different accounts... Of what happened? Of what happened. Basically, she catches Raymond with his wig off. Wait, who does? Delphine. Delphine. Delphine catches Raymond with his wig off. Oh, and she didn't know. She didn't know. He had a And so, she starts accusing him of fraud and deception. There's an argument. Over a wig? Yeah. Well, he didn't disclose the dent in his head. Could show a little more compassion. Now Now see, bear in mind, she He's dead. So we only have their account of what happened. For all we know, she might have been. Right. But showing a little more compassion. Somehow or another, they convince her to take pills to calm her down, to calm her nerves. Oh, like, Sleeping pills. like with the first Yes, one. but in this case, they're not actually intending to just kill her. Right. They actually are just trying to calm her down. Now, what the problem is... It happens is the little girl, little Renelle, has woken up. Oh, is this going to be a trigger warning? Um, I kind of feel like this might be a trigger well, warning. Well, they don't kill the toddler just yet. Okay. But, okay, yeah, trigger warning trigger for some. Warning. Okay. Trigger warning for some child abuse here. Okay. Um, Lovely. The little girl starts crying because she doesn't understand her mommy's sleeping. She won't wake up. She's not dead. She's just... She sees her mom's all upset, and Rennell starts crying. Martha is trying to calm the child down, but can't calm the child down, so she chokes her. What? She puts her hands around the child, and she chokes her. No! She used to be a mom! And she had a child who was two. Didn't she? She she had a two and three-year-old. But no! I know. It's just bad. I told you. It's really bad. She stops. Choking her? Stops choking her. But the little girl has red marks on her um, neck. They're like, well, she can't wake up and see these on her daughter. So they do the only logical thing. They take a gun and they shoot Delphine in the head. What? That's so, not logical. It's not logical at all. Their logic. That's bad. That's bad logic. So they shoot her in the head. They killed Delphine? Now what about the little... No. I don't want to hear this. Uh, I'm sorry. You're going to have to. They kill Delphine because they are afraid that if she wakes up and she sees the red marks on the little girl's neck, she will turn them over to the police for child abuse and then they might uncover their other crimes. So they kill her, and they bury her in the basement of her house. Now, they stay in the house for the next couple of days. With the kid? With the kid. Martha actually tries to take care of the baby, but she was a mom, okay? She wasn't a great mom, obviously, because she decided to choke the little girl, and it caused a problem. She was still a mom. And she feeds the little girl. She takes care of the little girl for the next couple of days. But the little girl is constantly crying for mama. And constantly crying. And finally, they just can't take it anymore. I'm not going to like this, am I? You're not. They 
drowned the little No, toddler. no, don't want to hear it. No. They drowned the toddler in a tub of water. What? And then they bury her next to her mother in the basement. What? Why were they kinder to Delphine? With just like a gunshot to the head. And she was already unconscious. Drowning is so much worse. What is wrong with them? I mean, in all honesty, I was so for Martha in episode one. Now burn, kill, don't care, bad. In all honesty, they could have crushed up the sleeping pills and put it in the toddler's food. There was so many. And the no. toddler could have OD'd and just gone to sleep. No. But no, they drown her. No. I know, it's horrible. I hate this one so much. Like, I cannot stress how much this stresses me out. Oh, I know. This is absolutely, like, horrible. And, like, of all their crimes. Like, she was two. She was two. They were parents that at one point. was the same age her son was when she freaking abandoned him. Then abandon her. Just let her go. So, just take her to a... What, what did she even take her to before? The Salvation Army. Yeah, just take her to the Salvation Army and dump her off there. So, they drowned the little girl. No. And, but the thing is, is that neighbors are noticing the lack of movement from the mom. No. And, for whatever reason, these two don't flee. Why? They stay in the house. Why? In fact, the next day, after brutally drowning this child and burying her next to her dead mother in the basement of her house, they go to see a movie. Now, I actually pulled up a list of movies from February of 1949 to try and figure out, like, what kind of movies they might actually have gone to see. I wasn't able to, like, obviously nobody knows what they saw, but I will actually post the link um, to Twitter Mm-hmm. So if anybody wants to, they had movies like Tarzan's Magic Fountain or Mississippi Hair or The Last Bandit, John Loves Mary, just to name a few movies that had come out in that time. That, for me, is just completely and utterly mind-boggling. They didn't even flee. They didn't they even didn't. run. They didn't. They literally killed the mother to prevent them from getting caught, and they don't leave. I don't think they were really able to get anything out of her. They weren't there but a few days. And unlike Janet, she didn't, like, react. She didn't, like, reciprocate giving money as quickly. They're arrested the next day after they kill her now. When they went to the movie theater? Yeah, they're arrested. At the movie theater? I don't know if they're arrested at the movie theater or when they come back to the house. Michigan does not have the death penalty. Wow. At least it didn't have the death penalty then. I'm not for the death penalty most of the time, but um, you kill a child, I'm sorry, you gonna die. So you should die. There's there's just no getting around it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Raymond <laughs> confessed to as many as 17 murders. Wait, really? Yeah. He confessed to as many as 17. He later recants this, but. Um, Do most people believe he's telling the truth there? It's hard to say, but he, it's definitely possible. We do know that there was the one before, the Myrtle on the bus, and then these other three. So that's at least five. That's a lot. So it is possible, but they're never able to really link him to anything else. By now, police have linked him and Martha to the murder 
of Janet Faye in New York. Now, here's the thing. They're just like, okay, confessing. Maybe we can do the, um, we can confess. They won't give us the death penalty. We might get life. Maybe we can even plead insanity. But New York City has the death penalty. They get extradited to New York and charged with the murder of Janet Faye. That's why they're So they don't get them for the mom and the child. No. Because they don't have the death penalty. Exactly. They look at them... And they look at their crimes, and they're like, they deserve to die. Oh, my what goodness. What they've done. Oh, this is so beautiful. <laughs> so they extradite them to New York because they can charge them with that one. Plus, they had really good, solid evidence on it. Not that they didn't have good, solid evidence, oh, but they all just are like, nope, get to New York. So they choose not to file charges on Rennell and Duffy. But they are charged with murdering Janet. So it is huge. The story is huge because it has the sex and intrigue and it just has <laughs> newspapers just newspapers eat it up. <laughs> just eat it up. They call them the Lonely Hearts Killers. Raymond even tells the courts, y'all need to shut down these Lonely Hearts yeah. clubs. These Lonely Heart columns because they're full of fraud. He's a classic, he's an example of that. In fact, interestingly, the one that he was using, I don't remember the name of it. I thought I had it written down, but I don't. Actually was shut down with fraud. And it was later opened back up again under a different name. Charging the same price. $5 to place a column. And in the 1940s, $5 is a lot. They are convicted and sentenced to death. Um, They're sent to Sing Sing. They're on death row, and I guess they didn't have a segregated death row. Or if it were segregated, but... Wait, they went to the same prison and they saw each other all the time? Well, not necessarily saw each other. They would have guards and things relay messages to each other. No! They would have, like, I love this woman. I love this woman so much. And then turn right around and be like, Chrome Dome, I hate you. They're just yelling at each other for days. They would, like, have notes snuck to each other or other things. And they would constantly, I love you, I hate you, I hate you, I love you. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean what I said, I still love you. Exactly, but as their, the day of their execution drew closer, the frequency of I hate you got less and less, and the I love yous became more and more prominent. Okay. It's so completely bizarre, because they did these horrific things. Together, and if they had never met, met, he might have been a murderer. Yeah. I mean, he was already kind of on that path. But she would never have had... Lisa accounts, though. She's the one that did it. I know. Out of jealousy. So it's just, it's completely bizarre to me. On August 22nd, 1949, is when they are both sentenced to death. On March 8th, 1951, they, along with eight other people, are scheduled to be executed. Now, Raymond ordered as his last meal an onion omelet. Ew. Yeah, I know how you feel about onions. Ew. I mean, an omelet? Why would that be your last meal? Order a steak. Order a milkshake. Order something. He ordered french fries, chocolate, and a Cuban cigar. Chocolate? Yeah, chocolate. 
I mean, good job on the chocolate. And french fries. Martha, meanwhile, chose fried chicken, french fries, and a salad. A salad? Martha, you're dying. Go out. Go I know. Get the cheesecake. Like, what happened? <laughs> so, those are bad last meals. First, yeah. Bad last meals. So, Raymond goes first. He gets strapped to old Sparky. They're electrocuted. His last words are, I want to shout it out. I love Martha. What does the public know about love? (laughs) (laughs) So, it's short and sweet and to the point. They flip the switch. What does the public know about love? (laughs) I don't know. That should be a song. What does the public know about love? (laughs) What do you know about have been attributed to love. Imprisonment in the death house has only strengthened my feelings for Raymond. You killed a child. I know she killed a child. Okay, I mean, Ray made me go ah, but I don't, I don't care about her. <laughs> no, no feelings for her. Um, so yeah, they were executed, and I'm not sure exactly where they wound up being buried. Presumably, her kids are raised by her mother. I couldn't find any information about them. I have no idea what happened to Raymond's wife. Uh, presumably, he still has descendants. They probably all went into hiding. They well, changed well, their names. They were insane. So yeah, this one is just such an interesting one to me because I mean. This guy had a head injury. He was fine up until that trunk hit his head. Or hat uh, hit hatch. his head. Yeah. It's like a series of events. Had he not been hit in the head, had she not had a cruel co-worker put an ad out for her. No offense to the co-worker. But yeah, kind of killed three people. <laughs> not victim blaming. <laughs> well, the co-worker's not a victim. Ah, uh, well, that's true. But um, had these two never crossed paths, and that's what really always fascinates me about couple killers. Yeah. Or partnership killers. You should really do Ken and Barbie sometime too. The Ken and Barbie killers? Because that oh, one's really fascinating. Yes, too. that one is really fascinating. Yeah. Chris Bernardo and Carla Homolka. Yeah, we'll sh- we, we will do definitely that have to do that. Yeah. They're they're really fascinating. It it just really is a very fascinating case. Like I really fell for them in episode one. And and then now I'm just like I'm so uh, against no, Martha. No, no. 
Sorry, no, you you went too far. You crossed a line, girl. We we were we were tight. We were friends, and then you crossed that line. She killed a toddler. Yeah, no. And I mean, I knew going into this that I knew it was gonna be hard. that it was gonna be hard. I knew that the toddler was killing kids. There's something really um, horrible. I mean, murder is horrible in general, but. To kill a child, especially I think it's an extremely because, small child. I think it's because they have the whole life ahead of them. It's a little bit different. You're killing a two-year-old because they have so much potential to go out there into the world and do something with their lives. As opposed to, say, like, a party. who was 66. Yeah, as opposed to a 60-year-old. Now, that's has already lived their life. And I mean, not, that's not to diminish the life they've lived and the life they would continue Because they might have another 20, 30 years. Yeah. Still, there is a difference between someone who is 66 and someone who is 2. And those are hard cases. They are. You did a good job. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I didn't want to have to say the words. <laughs> I knew I was coming and I was like, no, no, I don't want to. Please don't make me. did not know about the drowning part, but I, yeah. Well, I have to keep something secret from you. Yeah. Which, speaking of keeping things secret. Our next episode, I have not told her a single thing about. And the episode after that. So the next two episodes, we are... Being very secretive and hush-hush about We have each picked a case that the other does not know about. But I will give you a hint on the next episode. A very famous mystery writer helps to save somebody from jail who was falsely accused of a murder he did not commit. Hence, falsely accused. Mine's a German serial killer. So those are the next two episodes. You guys look forward to them. Oh, that's this has awesome. been the Lonely Heart Killers. Yeah, what did you guys think? Yeah, yes. now find us on Facebook, Instagram. Instagram, and Twitter. And with any luck, we are going to be trying to upload to Apple, Apple soon. And we are going to also look into Stitcher and try to put ourselves out there a little bit more now that we have episode six. This is episode six. This is episode six. Look at that. So, all right. I'm Missy. I'm Micah. And don't forget to hit the little follow button on Spotify so you can be notified whenever we upload a new episode. Or if this ever makes it to YouTube, hit the subscribe button or like button. (laughs) Yeah, we're still not sure about that. All right, bye!